You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to episode 59, recording here on Thursday the 17th. Joining me all the way from far off Hong Kong is the mysterious Shane Cole. Bonjour. Ça va? Bon oui. Welcome. We're not going to talk about Apple and the FBI today. I'm just going to say that right now. We're going to we're going to try and stay away from that. We're going to go back to being a regular podcast for a moment. Yay. And and I'm I'm sure I'm lying. We'll get to it, but I wanted to start off by setting the tone. We're going to talk about other things. So, starting off, Apple retail. Do you like drones, Shane? I mean, I think they're cool, but I don't own one or really have any particular desire to do so. Yeah, I've I've flown a drone a couple of times and I like them, but I also don't have an incredibly practical use for them. I, I think they're like fun toy for me, unless you're doing, you know, reinventing aerial photography or or inspecting homes and stuff like that, and you want to fly over rooftops. But Apple thinks there's something there, right? Because Apple put them in the retail store. Did you saw the picture I saw? Right. The um, the big display of of a drone and its associated drone accessories. Right. So the the Apple stores have always had these these giant big banners on the walls, usually pushing Apple products, right? Apple cases, iPods, whatever. And and here, they've de- dedicated a huge amount of space that could otherwise be product to a picture of a drone. Well, that's their new, like that format of having the big square poster is their new setup. Right. So that's... Um, like that's the way they, they do the the shelving now. Even in the old, like the picture is in a new store. I think in one of the New York stores, uh, it's got it's got the wooden um, shelving. Yeah, but like even in the Grand Central store or something. Yeah, even in the old style ones, they still have aluminum and steel. Uh, they've rearranged it. They've reset the. I used to know what that's called, but it escapes me at this moment. Planogram. They've reset the yeah, planogram. Exactly. There you go. They've reset it such that you have little sections like that with a big square thing. But anyway, that's tangential to your point well right but the the the, this would be the first time that i can remember that they've given that space to a non-apple product yeah other than beats which isn't really a non-apple product yeah Uh, and and the other thing that's interesting here is that one of the shelves is is not devoted to boxed product they actually have the drone out sitting as a dummy on the shelf yeah and and it used to be if you're going to have a product out on display a it had to work Maybe it does work. They're going to fly a drone inside the store? I don't know. They were doing training. That okay. was on DJI's Twitter feed, some guy in the store flying it around for the staff. Yeah, well, training in store and flying it around for the staff is different than flying it over consumers' heads. But Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a stupid thief tax. Maybe it's it's like it's alarmed, so that if you try to... It's not alarmed. <laughs> the drone isn't it, is, it is quite alarmed. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's, it is, it's quite surprised. Feet, yeah. When somebody tries to pick it up, uh, the propellers start going and it chops, chops off your hand. Fingers. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's a Yakuza drone. Actually, there, there was this thing where you could, I was reading this last week, where you could uh, put beacons in, um, in the ceiling and make the drone aware of the beacons such that it would not crash into the ceiling and not crash into the floor and not create spectators. Not create spectators? Not I hit. I hope the drone doesn't not create hit. spectators. Well, that's, that's, a different, <laughs> that's a different future. We're really in trouble if that's happening. 
No, you know, you could, you, by putting beacons and locators on on furniture and the ceilings and stuff like that, you could create the drone to to have awareness of its surroundings and not run into things. Yeah, you know, they they actually put a drone out there on the shelf, and that's that's kind of nuts. It used to be out on the table. If they were going to have a speaker out on the table, it'd be in the center. You could use it, things like that. So this is kind of unusual that retails shifting the design language around that and giving that much attention to you know both third party products and secondarily really expensive drones. I mean, what's a, what's a DJI Phantom 4 cost? Uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,500. I mean, they're not cheap. Yeah. Here's, here's what I think about that thing in an Apple store. Yeah. First, it's like, it's, if you're not ABC, it's the best one you can buy, right? Like, if you're not doing broadcast television, it's the best option in terms of, of quality uh, both of the thing itself and of the video or the pictures that you get from it. But secondarily, I think at this moment, the way drones are marketed is they've kind of um, they've kind of piggybacked off of GoPro, which I think is why GoPro is coming out with their own drone because they're like everybody sees these pictures and they think they're from GoPros, you know? right? But they, it's the same kind of thing. It's like aspirational, right? You see a drone and you think yes. I'm going to buy this thing and I'm going to use it while I'm skiing in Vail and I'm going to look like a badass. Yeah, and and that also dovetails right into GoPro's thing because GoPro positions themselves as an action camera, not just a, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody who buys a GoPro, I think, whether they admit it or not, somewhere in their mind, you know those that YouTube channel that's just a bunch of kids who get together and throw awesome parties and do crazy stuff, like jump off of... 100 foot high cliffs into the ocean yeah okay well i can't remember it's super something i can't remember exactly right anyway i think everybody in the back of their mind when they're buying a gopro imagine themselves as that you know so yes i i think in the in the that that awesome guy that could be me yeah so like in the realm of stuff that you could put in an apple store and give like huge amounts of space to i can see why the Phantom 4 is at the top. Okay, so why now? Why would they put it in in March? Because it's brand new, and they have an exclusive for the first couple of weeks of its release. Okay, but I mean, there's there's no, you know, there's no holiday event that makes this make sense, right? It's not buy a drone for Father's Day. It's not buy a drone for graduation, <laughs> right? Right. No, yeah. it's just it's a it's a brand new product from I've who is right it. now I know what it is dude it's I mean it's 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 buy a drone as a belated Valentine's Day gift I can just imagine the reaction if I <laughs> brought home a drone and said here honey happy Valentine's Day have hey. a giant flying quadcopter <laughs> honey look what I bought for me for you <laughs> you're gonna probably have to edit this out but that would be the most badass way to make a sex tape I, I don't know that I will edit that out. We might just keep yeah, that. Yeah, no, leave it in. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, you know, the, the, how many wedding videos have there been made with drones? Right. Uh, yeah. The, the classic one is the one where they're they're getting married and they're getting they're about to have the kiss and the drone flies and smacks the groom on the head. Yeah, I really. Here's my thing. There's a lot of those videos that are indoors. Like, if you're having an outdoor wedding, fine. But there's a lot of those that are indoors, and can you, if you've been around one of these, you know how loud they are. Like, I would not want if i was getting married again today in a church i would not want a drone flying around the you wouldn't even want that you wouldn't want that in the outdoors either if you're having your ceremony and and no no like some friends of mine dive bombed by a 
buzzing quadrotor is, is ridiculous. No, so some friends of mine are getting married next summer in Vancouver, and they're getting married literally on a rock in the middle of the ocean. And for that kind of wedding, I could totally, like the, the invitation they sent us was talking about the, their reception, and it said, to get from the wedding to the reception, you will have to walk through several fields so make sure that you wear shoes appropriate for that. You know? um, so in that kind of setting, I can imagine that having a drone to capture bring, your wedding. Bring your be, Wellingtons to, to hike through the fields. Yeah, basically. Yeah, pack your wellies. Yeah. <laughs> so I can imagine that would be cool. But in most other like standard wedding cases, I really can't imagine why this is a thing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But it's, it's so... I can't imagine they're going to sell a lot either. I mean, fifteen hundred bucks is a lot to lay out. They're going to move one unit, you know, one, uh, one a month. They have, but they have all kinds of crazy expensive things that you wouldn't think people would ordinarily buy. Like they have, uh, I don't know if they have it in in the states right now, but there's a, a speaker system in the stores here that it's like the size of a 1970s VCR. Right, so it's like I don't know, two feet long and a foot deep, yeah. And it's like three thousand U.S. dollars. It's an like an iPod speaker. Wow. So I can't imagine they sell very many of those, but they still have that kind of stuff in the store. The the margins got to be there so that if they sell one, that's a success. It's crazy. Sorry, I accidentally muted my microphone while I was cleaning up the extraordinarily <laughs> hot water that I spilled on myself. Well, that makes this an excellent time to talk about Casper mattresses. While you're there recovering from burning yourself and scalding yourself, I'd like to let everyone know that today's sponsor is Casper mattresses. Obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. And you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com insider and using the code insider. You spend about a third of your life sleeping. So it's important to make sure you're doing it on a good mattress. Casper brings together two comfy technologies for better nights and brighter days, latex foam and memory foam. So if you've got just the right amount of sink and just the right amount of bounce, no matter how you sleep. They've got a risk-free trial and return policy, and they deliver it to you. So you can try it for 100 days, and if you're not happy, they pick it back up. At the store, maybe you sit on a mattress for a minute. And, you know, in the store, it's really uncomfortable because, first of all, you're wearing all your clothes, you're lying on a mattress that's not really even made, and you're trying to get the sense in the bright daylight of what this thing is like to sleep on. It's, it's absurd. You get a $500 twin-sized mattress or a $950 king-sized mattress. Comparing that to industry averages, that's an outstanding price point. So get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com insider and using the code insider. And terms and conditions may apply. Who was it that said never cheap out on anything that comes between you and the ground? I don't know who, but that that's not a bad statement, right? I don't know if it has an actual originator, but I've heard that a zillion times. So shoes, chairs, and mattresses. I think it's like the point. You know, don't buy cheap shoes, don't buy cheap chairs, and don't buy cheap mattresses. Because you spend your entire life, unless you're unless you're from New Zealand, where the entire country just goes around barefoot constantly. You spend basically your entire life either in shoes, in a chair, or in a mattress. Or sometimes all three if you're crazy. Yeah. You know, and if you if you drive a lot, then you buy a car focusing on what's a good seat to sit in, right? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I haven't owned a car in a very long time. Ah, there you go. No, I, I changed cars based on the chairs. Well, okay. It probably support. I'm not gonna lie, if I'm buying a car, I probably would not worry about the seat first and foremost. Well, 
it's one of those so here, things where it, it, it goes along with the rest of the car, right? You know, if if the car was made and they made cheap choices all the way around, they cheaped out on the interior as well. If the car had a higher retail price to start with, they they probably didn't cheap out on the interior as well. Well, that depends what your criteria is, right? Because you could have an extraordinarily competent vehicle for driving with a really crap. I mean, like uh, that racing Aston Martin, the uh, the moniker I cannot what, the, remember. The red, the red Bull thing that's. No, no, no. The, the one they made for uh, the 24-hour races. So it's a, it's a really great car to drive, but it's got a race car interior, so it's not very comfortable. Well, right, but that was not focused on using for anything other than 24 hours at Le Mans. Well, yeah, no, right? that's but, you know, you, right. you put in an aluminum bucket, and that's your chair. Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, and there's no Car- insulation, light. and carpet's optional, and yeah, there's nothing. Yeah. Because exactly. they're going for lightness. But, I'm uh, just saying, it depends what your criteria for a good car. Okay, for a, a actual street use car that you would purchase. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, you, you, you have chairs that are made with practically no support at all, no mm-hmm. contouring at all, no lumbar, no nothing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It can be covered. Okay, Hyundai. Uh, uh, Hyundai's getting better. I was thinking Ford Focus, but. And, mm, Alpha Romeo. Alpha? They have crappy seats. Alpha, Alpha has crappy seats. Do they? Yeah. That's disappointing. That's very disappointing because I saw an Alpha here recently, and and it was it was quite a good looker from the outside. That exactly that's what Alpha always has been and always will be. It's beautiful and terrible. That's so frustrating. <sighs> like a Hollywood actress. Mm, Some Hollywood actresses. Well, now be careful like where Miranda you go there. <laughs> like Miranda Kerr. Okay. Tell tell me about Miranda Kerr. I mean, you opened the door to this one. She's really hot. Right. Uh, okay. I think that's a universally accepted truth. Go on. But she's all right. I'm going to preface this by saying what all of you listening know already. I do not know Miranda Kerr, nor nor will I probably ever. You've her never had the opportunity person. to meet her, as we know. Yes, but from the media appearances that I have seen, she does not exude the countenance of a person who has been raised with any variety of meaningful education. She sounds kind of dumb. You took a while to get there. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to be nice about it, and then I realized <laughs> that nobody would understand what I was saying. So, and she, she may well be you know, very intelligent, but she comes off in interviews as kind of dumb. Yeah. But anyway, we've strayed very far from our... Let's, let's get back on topic. So uh, you and I were talking about watches before we began this recording. And, you know, you, we were looking at, uh, what we see, we were talking about Pebble, we were talking about Tag Heuer, and, and I want to talk a little bit about the Apple Watch, right? So, you have the Apple Shocking. Watch. I know. Shocking. Surprising. Yeah. This is the Apple Insider Podcast. Let's talk Apple. Uh, you, you still wearing your Apple Watch? I am. Uh, I wear it, although I will say this, I only wear it when I leave my house or my office. So, if I'm sitting at my desk, I don't wear it. So, that has changed since I got it. Um, the stand reminders don't really do anything for me anymore, obviously, because I only wear it when I'm standing. But yeah, I, for me now, it's mostly a device that exists, one, to track my fitness stuff, and two, to enable me to keep my phone in my pocket while I'm out walking around. Yeah. I, I no longer wear mine at all, and I liked the stand reminders and the fitness tracking. I thought the heart rate tracking was pretty terrible. But the uh, the thing that annoyed me the most about it were the notifications and manually dismissing them. 
so there are some things that are annoying. I've paired my allowed notifications way down. Yeah. Um, I only get uh, iMessages, uh, Slack DMs, and uh, I have a small group chat of some friends on Telegram. And those are really the only three things that I get as notifications on my watch. Yeah. Smart. Very smart. Um, have you, what's your experience with the heart rate on it? I never use it, if we're being honest. Okay. I, I went through a period where you know, uh, uh, someone close to me had a heart event. And so I kind of got interested in heart tracking for a little bit and it was, um, it was really stupid because I would go ahead and swipe up and try and have it read my heart rate and either it wouldn't read anything at all, or it would read and show about half of what it should be showing. Mm. You know, if, if you're, you're, you know, I was doing, um, I was doing ergs on the rowing machine and I know that my heart rate should be elevated and it's coming up as like 65. I, I know that's BS. Well, I mean, that's just uh, a result of optoelectronics, right? I mean, you're... Well, they do two technologies, I mean, right? They do, they do the green LED, and then they also do infrared. So they have two methods to try and catch it, and they're still screwing it up. I didn't know there were infrared LEDs on the watch. They, they have both the green LEDs, that's the same technology everyone uses, and they also have infrared in there. They they sort of did a belts and suspenders trying to catch it to make sure, and uh, and it's still it's like almost perfectly divided by half. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I don't. Know. I I never used the heart rate tracking. Although I will say this: recently, it has gotten much better at recognizing. So before, when I would go, I walk, um, like from if I'm walking like from my house to the supermarket or something. Yeah. I'll use, because I I work a lot. I sit at my desk. I'll walk like to the the farther supermarket. You know. Um, and it's, I don't know, two kilometers or something each way. And before, if I wanted that to count, because there's a workout, right, for just like an outdoor walk. Yeah. And before, if I wanted that to count for my, my workout goal, I have to manually set a workout. You know, I'm going to walk now. And where do, uh, where do you set that? In the workout app, the little green running man. Okay. But now... It it's much better recognizing that hey the person wearing me is up and walking around for long periods of time. Right, this whole activity thing's happened. That looks like it might be a workout. Yeah, and so my magically through no change in my own behavior, my workout figures have improved dramatically. Nice since <laughs> WatchOS two point two. Very nice. Now, what strap do you wear this thing on? The white sport band with which it came. Unless I am for reasons I can't really explain, wearing it at a formalish event. In which case, I have a leather loop band. Yeah, but primarily, you just stick it on the, the white sport band? Yes. Yeah, that's the same one I have. Um, was yours the aluminum watch, or is yours the steel watch? Mm-hmm. Yeah? The aluminum one, yeah. Okay. I like the look of it better. All right, well, there you go. We have the same watch. I'm kind of impressed. Although, I'm sure you bought yours because it was the cheapest. Let's just go with that answer. So, here's here's interesting, right? In in the news, we covered this the other day. Uh, Vic Gondotra, who is formerly of Google showed off his new band for the Apple Watch. You saw this one, right? Mm-hmm. And his, his watch band is a watch band that has an echocardiogram sensor in the watch band to make heart rate way more active. And he's got an app that goes with it that uh, can actually sort of preemptively warn you about possible heart events that you might have a, that would be very bad. Yeah. So, you know, warning, you're, you need to go see a doctor, warning, you need to get this checked out kind of thing. The 
thing about this thing, right, is is that it requires you to use their strap, and their strap looked pretty ugly, didn't it? I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, well, you know, it's I obviously mean, a pre-production I mean, look, version, right? Look, you're wearing. If here's my thing: if you are a person who needs to wear an ECG monitor, you're not super worried about aesthetics. Okay. I mean, let's let's be let's be real for a minute. Yeah. You know, it's a medical device. It's just it. Honestly, it just looks to me like a black sport band with a little square cutout that you you pop the the thing into. Okay. One of the th- the first thing I thought of when I saw this thing was about the Pebble Time Watch, because when when Pebble Time was introduced, one of the things they highlighted was that they had connectors on the inside of the watch, the same way that the Apple Watch has a diagnostic port, or or at least what we think is a diagnostic port in one of its lugs, and. Uh, Pebble made this huge issue about how great this was going to be for makers, and they wanted people to use this port to add information and sensors and, and things to the Pebble watch. And I think maybe one guy made a battery band, and some makers put some Arduino stuff on there for Pebble. But this is kind of what I, I think happens a lot, is is people do things on on other lesser products, and then the idea transfers over to Apple because that's where the attention and focus and and wide distribution is. Implying that the Pebble Time is a lesser product. Uh, I think I said that pretty directly, didn't I? <laughs> I, I implied nothing, sir. I said it straight out. Well, well Tim Cook <laughs> said at some some interview forever ago, I don't know, God, you can't keep them all straight, but he said, somebody asked him about, what, maybe it was on an investor call, I don't know, but somebody asked him about why they chose not to go through FDA approval, right? Because there are a bunch of rumors before the watch came out that they were going to have some more advanced biomedical sensors yeah, and that they scaled it back because they didn't want to have to get it approved by the FDA. And his response was like, um, that's a really long iteration cycle if you have to do the whole device every time you want to change something. Yeah. So we thought it was better if we just made the device and let people work on it as a platform because then you could iterate faster with accessories, you know, and it's a watch. So he had what other kind of accessory for a watch was he talking about than a smart band? You know? Yeah. And, and FDA is, you know, like you said, it's long, it's annoying, it's expensive and, and you recertify everything. So, you know, when they made the color change, yeah. recertify, you know, it, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, but but you were telling me that you think it's interesting that Vicconductor didn't do this for Android Wear. I do. Why why is that interesting? I mean, just because of who he is, and all of the people who are working. The director of engineering came from Google. Yeah. The somebody else is something else. <laughs> right, but the director of engineering came, came from, Google. from Google Glass's team, right? He was no, on Google Glass and Project Aura. No, the engineering guy came from YouTube, actually. Uh, the other guy, the C- maybe the CTO, came from the research division. Okay, so he came. But either, from but you know, either way, right? You have to imagine that if you're Vic and Dotra and you're sitting there going, I mean, unless, unless there is just crazy bad blood from when he got passed over. Well, you have to imagine that if you're Vic and Dotra sitting there saying, "I want to make a smart, I want to make a I wearable." Mean, Let's, medical sensor that yeah. you go to Google, not only because of Android Wear, right? You have that, but also because of all of the wearable medical stuff Google is already doing, hmm. right? There's a lot of expertise there, and there's, I love this word, synergy to be had <gasps> oh my God. between the two. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, on the one hand, it's surprising they didn't do that for those reasons. On the other hand, I can see him. I, I can see the 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 logic of saying the Apple Watch is the only really commercially successful consumer device in this segment. You know? Yeah. I mean, the Pebble is successful for what it's supposed to be, but it's not successful among among the general population. You know, whereas the Apple Watch despite its relatively modest level of success amongst the general population is the most successful of any of them. So. Yes. And, and in terms of bad blood, so Gondotra was the head of Google plus. He invented Google plus. Yes. And he got it spread out to all parts of all the other Google platforms. Yep. Which was no small task. Yeah. And, uh, and, he was also part of the, the, the photos part, right? He took over Picasa and turned it into Google Photos and had mm-hmm. that deeply integrated in Plus. I'll tell you what the sad thing is. Google Plus, for the fu- its functionality, right. is really actually really good. But Google Plus, as a social network, is really bad. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I'm- I mean, it's, if, they, if they released Google Plus as like... Not as a Facebook competitor, but as Google's version of iCloud. You know what I'm saying? Where photos stream you and all that stuff. Interesting, yeah. That, I think, would have been an extraordinary idea. Because Google Plus, the product, is really great. Like a lot of Google products, right? The product is really great. The ecosystem really sucks. I mean, Google Plus was really good at, at, as you say, the photo stream where, you know, if you had an event and all of your friends also said they were attending the event, then everyone's photos would appear in a group album. Yeah. And they have Auto Awesome, which is So really they cool. do. Um, Circles is actually an amazing idea. Some people pin the failure of Google Plus on Circles. I can see why. But if you look at the foundational concept of what they're trying to do, you can. I don't think anybody would say that it's not a really great way to go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because look, look at what we have Facebook now, right? We have Facebook, Facebook, and now we have Facebook for work, which is exactly what it sounds like. Hmm. Um, why do I have two separate products? You know? Well, because they didn't do circles. Yeah, exactly. What I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You know? There was some other social network that had friend groups like this that I can't was it living social or something I don't know oh no it wasn't LinkedIn's crap was it no 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 no. No, there was something else it was uh maybe it wasn't an actual social network maybe it was one of those meta social networks um like floof or something I don't know back back in like 2010 or something 2000 ridiculous I don't know yeah but uh you know speaking of living social oh they're firing half their staff. Are they now? Yeah. After having raised, are you ready for this? Hmm. $900 million. They burned through it all yet? I, I guess so. I mean. Yeah. Well, Groupon and Living Social are just, they're, they're bad businesses, right? Well, Living Social didn't start off as Groupon. It sure got there, though. Yeah, no, that's what they are. They, their pivot was to Groupon. But Living Social was like a, a social network amalgamator. Yeah. You know, when it first started. To be honest, I'm kind of amazed that Fab is still in business, too. Fab is having layoffs, but uh, but they're still around. Are they still in business, or they're still just buy their assets? They're still selling stuff. Mm. And it's still the same CEO. 
Let's see. And they would have ditched him if they were bought. Hmm. All right. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm still kind of amazed that you know Sundar Pinkai uh, got got where he is. You know, he was he was head of Chrome, the browser, and then he became uh, all of Android when Andy Rubin went out, and then he's CEO of all of Google now. And why why are you surprised? Well, I'm surprised because it, it seems to me that you know one of those would have been the opportunity for Vic to have risen, and instead he went out on on Google Plus. I think the the Vic thing was just. He lost the fight to to Sundar, just like Scott Forstall lost the power battle with Johnny Ive. Yeah, yeah, but in in Johnny Ive, it's it's a much clearer who is going to have the the win on that power, right? Between Forstall well, yeah, and Ive, or anyone in Ive, it's it's pretty much yeah. Ive is where you place your bet, right? That's why I said earlier, unless it was something just Vic just had a terrible exit, and there's a lot of bad blood between the two companies. But I don't know. I don't, I'm not up on my Google You're not, staffing gossip yeah, yeah. from 2014. But anyway, the, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this Cardia band echocardiogram for Apple Watch thing. I mean, that's it strikes me as being very cool, and I, I hope we get one because I want to see it. I think my favorite part of the press release was like, and if you, because the whole thing is about how if you're feeling symptoms, you touch the thing, and you can, it'll automatically let you record a voice message, like a voice memo saying, hey, this is what I'm feeling. At the same time, it will analyze your heart beat, I guess, mm-hmm. and run it through its little algorithm and tell you if you're going into atrial something, fibrillation. Right. If, you have, if you're about to have a heart attack, basically. If, if I'm going into AFib, I want it to use my phone and just call me the ambulance. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you, you can email this directly to your doctor and a lot of that, which is fine. <laughs> but then there's one paragraph in the press release where they're like, and even if you don't have any heart problems, it's a much more accurate way to measure your heartbeat. Well, because, like and I said... Like, this it, is a godsend for hypochondriacs everywhere. Well, yes. But, uh, you know, the, the whole every health product that I've... So many of these health products, right? They have a email your doctor link. Mm-hmm. Or, or the, the only one that I've ever found that ever came close to mattering was there was a blood pressure cuff that actually had... A, a link to some EMR system that actually, if your doctor's EMR was participating, it would go to the record and notify your doctor to look at it. No, yeah. no doctor I know of wants to get your email. They, they may have patient portals or something so you can communicate with them, but mm-hmm. if your app is going to send your doctor an email, I mean, you, you've probably got to be a celebrity to have your doctor want to get that. Yeah. I mean, there's... The problem with going directly to EMR is that there are so many EM, EMR systems are, to borrow a phrase from Steve Jobs, a bag of hurt. Oh, yes, they are. Like, there's a, there's a quote, unquote, I'm doing giant air quotes in my chair right now, standard. For <laughs> EMR. Actually, there are, there are three of them. That's the EMR. wonderful thing about standards is there's so many to choose from. But nobody, well, the, the fact that there are three of them is fine. Like that wouldn't be a problem if anyone actually there's implemented no, the standards. There's no interchange. First, first of all, they're not implemented properly. Yeah. And second of all, there's no interchange between them. If you want so to the, interchange stuff between them, you hire a consultant to write your interchange each time. Yes. The, so the first part is the worst part, though, because if they, if they were, if all of the specs were implemented the way they're supposed to be, then migration wouldn't be that big of a deal. And writing stuff to go on top of it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But the reason that people don't do it is because it's big four consulting firms and IBM doing these EMR systems, and they don't want you to move. 
right? Yeah. Dr. Chrono, Dr. Chrono could come in and if there was actually a standard that they could write to and make it work, Dr. Chrono would own the entire industry. Wait, wait but, what, is, what is Dr. Chrono? Uh, it started off as patient scheduling. Okay. Um, it was a YC startup from way back, I think it was a YC startup. And they started off as patient scheduling, and now they're expanding into a variety of other areas, right? Yeah. But they're so widespread now, and they do, their, they do what they do so well, that if they could write an EMR to a standard spec, yeah. they would own everything, right? I mean, they would absolutely destroy it. Well, and that, that sounds none like... The, none of the big four are interested in that. Well, so what they need to do is they need to to get a hold of the other big four installs and write data transport and get everyone to buy into them instead. Migrate everyone. Big task, but hey. But anyway. Okay. Yeah. So we were talking about the, the Apple Watch. We were talking about fitness, and you were talking about how you, uh, you walk with it. But Mara is the, the smartphone running assistant. Right, Mara is is allows casual runners to map their runs and and gives you this voice recognition and microphone in your earbuds thing to help you optimize your runs. So you can you can hands free talk to Mara using your earbuds and tell her what kind of run you'd like to do, ask her questions about your speed, your pace, your location, duration, or the weather, and have her play albums and playlists from your music library. And she can speak first. So instead of you asking Mara a question and prompting her, she can tell you how you're doing and compare your past runs and records. And she'll warn you about changes in the weather, like if it's about to rain, because you know you want to get out of the rain. And you can see all your runs and, and your hot spots and your rough legs. And Mara recognizes what you've accomplished. Visit Mara.ai, that's M-A-R-A dot A-I today to download your virtual free running assistant. I still want to know what a hotspot is. You know, I looked into that last week, and one of the answers that I came up with, and I'm not even sure if it's the right one, but but one of it was the idea about um, when you really start to feel the burn in your, in your legs, and so that's the part where you're exerting. So it's we're, we're exerting yourself too much for that part of the run. Feel the burn. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. I just asked Neil. I, 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 what did I do with Neil? I slacked him. That's what I did. <sighs> I slacked Neil. Is is Neil a runner? He is, and I he said his response was neither myself nor my wife have ever heard of that. So, <laughs> there you go. Brilliant, brilliant. So, so if you're if you are from Mara and you're listening to this podcast, please email us at news at appleinsider dot com and explain tell us what, what a hotspot hot spot is. is, and we will tell the world next week. <laughs> so, I've got here a photo of what says it's the iPhone 7. It's Bender. Okay, first of all, I know who Bender is. You know who Bender is. But would you please explain to our audience who Bender Bending Rodriguez is? Bender is a character on the Comedy Central animated series Futurama. And Bender is a character who's set in the year 3000 and... uh, well, his whole job in life is to be a, a humanoid-like robot with an attitude that uh, that bends metal. Mm-hmm. Right. If you all right, for those of you who don't know who Bender is, but are on the internet and know memes, <laughs> the meme, the blackjack and hookers meme, is from Bender. Fine, I'll start my own club with blackjack and hookers. That's from Bender. Okay. And and Bender as a robot has the unique property of being fueled by beer. Yes. And looking exactly like this iPhone 7. Yeah, well, describe how. Uh, well, they're both 
squarish and silver and have really ugly, dark, ovular things on them that are supposedly used for optical devices. In Bender's case, it's his eyes. And in the iPhone's case, it's two cameras. And, uh, and, and would you I say... like how I did that? I know you're impressed with that. I'm, I'm very impressed with that. Would you say that the, the, the iPhone that we're seeing here, or the, the picture of the rumored iPhone that we're seeing here, has a, uh, a shiny metal back? Uh, it has a textured-ish, shiny-ish metal back. It look, basically, it looks like somebody took an iPhone 6 and made it worse. Uh, worse or better? Uh, worse. No, but there there's no plastic goofy lines dividing the uh, the top and bottom antenna areas. I don't care, but they're, st- but they're still there. They're still there. They're just not across the back of the phone. Yeah. No. All right. Here's – let's stop and reverse for a second. <laughs> Rewind. At MWC, LG – LG, the Korean Lucky Gold Star, maker, the the Korean manufacturer of refrigerators, all right, and television announced announced the and basically everything. Yeah, uh, announced the new what is it the G six? Mm. Was it the G? No, that's a G, television. They're G five, aren't they? G five. It's the G five. Yeah? yeah, yeah, the G five. All right, the G five. Again, this is a company that makes refrigerators. Their G5 has an all-metal back and virtually no antenna bands. No plastic dividing where the antenna No plastic dividing antenna bands. Okay. If LG, the world-renowned appliance manufacturer, can do it, then why can't Apple, the world's most profitable and popular maker of consumer electronics? Why, I ask you. This is a good question. Johnny Ive did an interview with Charlie Rose the other day, and he, it, as part of the interview, he, first of all, it was a terrible interview. Anyway, as part of the interview, he talked about how, he, he made a very specific point of saying that Apple was, they're they, when they're designing things, they get very familiar with the materials with which they use, right? Hmm. And when they find a material that they don't like or they can't do what they want with it, they make their own material. Yes. So they have a long history of doing that. I guess, which is fine. And that's great. Could you not find a material that would allow you to do this while simultaneously not having big, ugly plastic things on the side of the phone? No? Yes? Anyone? Uh, metallic material? Uh, I guess so. There's, there's RF transparent metalish materials. I mean, they're not aluminum, but. Are they still scared of, of the repercussions of an old antenna gate? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they have a lot more attention on them than LG does. LG sells some phones, no doubt. Yeah, but but, they're just, but people aren't complaining and rioting and and you know breaking down retail stores because LG has slightly less reception when you hold it wrong. So you think that Apple can't? There's nobody like Steve Jobs to go out and say, "Put a case on you, idiots." Who would that person be in LG? They just wouldn't say anything. Yeah, they would just ignore it. They they would totally ignore it, and you know they would say tough luck. And if you go back to your store and want to return the phone, then I guess you'd be the one guy that does that. But people with LGs, do they do that? Uh, I don't think so. No. So Apple's a lot more sensitive and and trying to uh, stave this off. They they're more concerned about making the very best thing that's not going to get complaints or attention like that. I guess. 
don't know. It's still ugly. <sighs> yeah. The the stupid the camera bump thing is still ugly on the iPhone six, and it always has been. Oh, the camera protruding be. out the back is dumb. Yes, I agree. So the the rumor here says that it has the addition of a smart connector, and and the rumor says that it's adjacent to the lightning port. Yeah. If you put all right. So I argued about this with Neil at length. Well, Neil at, loves the smart connector. At length, he does. He wants to marry this. He connector. loves the smart connector. On the iPad Pro, but anyway. Let's and we talked about. On. We talked about. I, I know. I'm just. I'm clarifying for the ladies and gentlemen at home. Ah. And essentially, what he said was, if you put it somewhere else on the phone, it could be useful, which I don't entirely disagree with. Does he right. want it like somewhere for suitable for landscape mode? Um, I'll tell you what he actually suggested uh, was to put it on the top so that you could dock your phone on the top into a keyboard dock and then still have the lightning connector free, which I think is dumb. And I'm going to say that because he's not on the podcast today. So, so if you do it the way Neil suggests, you, you sit your phone upside down and you hope to God that rotation works properly. Uh, yeah. And, then you decide to connect to lightning, and so you now have a lightning cord trailing out the top of your phone and bending down backwards as it goes. What, what's he on? Yeah, I disagree with that. I, now, what I on earth? If, I could see if you wanted to put it on the side, right? If you if right. you wanted you, you to put the early mode. iPad days and make like a special keyboard, yeah, that would be that would be, I think, kind of dumb but defensible. But putting it on the back next to a lightning connector is just stupid. And for that reason, and for the ugly bender dual cameras, and for the ugly antenna band on the back, and actually there's no more and, that's all. I do not think that has a legitimate picture. So, there you have my opinion. All right, so I, well, no, I, I have half your opinion. What do you want out of an iPhone 7? What, what should it be? Um, well, it should have no antenna bands, and it should not have a flush camera. I mean, it should have a flush camera. Wait, yeah, well, back up a step. <laughs> yeah, it should have a flush camera. <laughs> okay, what else other should it have? That, other than that, I'll be honest with you, I'm perfectly happy with the success. Okay, I'm, so you want, a, you want a better success. You want a, a success that completes what you think should have been right from the first place. Exactly. I don't need, I mean, I'm, I would be happy with a bigger battery, but it doesn't matter that much to me. Because I'm not. Here's here's my thing about people. You're you're who, only gonna be disappointed. You know that, right? Well, here's my thing about people who always complain about their iPhone battery. I yeah. hear this constantly. Mm. The iPhone needs a bigger battery. The iPhone needs a bigger battery. That, are these people never in their lives at a desk? Dude, I run I, out of battery daily. I I am out of how, battery. How at, do you run out of battery daily? By about five p.m., I am down to ten percent. But how is that possible? It's a good question. I have I have turned off a number of stuff. I have deleted a number of things. But you you have a desk that you sit at, presumably, right? uh, or no. a table, a space at which you sit and perform. What you're what you're getting at, you're getting duties. at the idea that I have a power port somewhere nearby. Precisely. At the very least, you have a computer with a USB port. I have a computer with a USB port, and I can drain down my laptop battery, or I can. It's it's trade offs. But you're at your house, presumably. Some of the time. Right. Or at some other person's office or at a co-working space or whatever, where you will have access to the power infrastructure such as it is in your area. Yeah. The, the truth is I charge in the car. When I am driving for about 30 minutes, I'll plug in and 
get it back up from zero. Okay. How, how much per, how, what proportion of a given day are you away from, you know, like you're walking around and you, there is no possible way for you to charge a phone? There's really no good excuse here. I am around a laptop long enough that I ought to be able to darn well charge. But it's it's what's interesting to me is that it's running down so fast, or that I'm running it down so fast. I say I made I made myself responsible there, um, because I do not have many apps running. I do not have I have a bunch installed, but I don't have them all active. I don't have them sitting in the background. Uh, mostly, they shouldn't be using the GPS. There's there's no good answer here. Yeah. So I I have definitely run my phone out of battery before but it's been on days where i was like out hiking or something or out on a boat and i was using it a lot and taking a lot of photos and stuff like that yeah that i can understand but for the vast majority of the and this is why i think you're never going to see a bigger iphone with a bigger battery right yeah because the vast majority of the population sits at a desk all day long has a place to charge yeah, or they work in a retail. Even if even if you work at like Sam's Club, right? You leave your phone in the break room, or you can leave your phone in yeah. the break room. You're Wait, supposed to leave your phone in the break room. I ha- have you worked at Sam's Club? Uh, no, I've never worked at Sam's Club. Me either. But, but anyway, I want to I want to get away from Sam's Club for a moment. I want to talk about this rumor one more time because there's something else we didn't mention here. Okay. This rumor claims that there is no home button. Yeah, it's dumb also. That the Touch ID and the button are integrated into the display itself. Indeed. Now, the the lack of a home button is, is weird because where do you press? What do you do to get the, the back to the top of springboard kind of stuff? So your standard, here's my thing, your standard daily operation of the phone, hmm. given the ability to do pressure sensitivity. Right, I don't think 3D it would touch. Yeah, I don't think that would change. But where you fall down a little bit is the things that you currently use the home button to do from a diagnostic perspective. What, like the 15 second uh, reset? Yeah, exactly. So that, I mean, you could change it, I suppose, to holding both volume buttons and the lock button simultaneously or but something. But you need a physical something to hold, is what you're telling me. Yeah, exactly. The idea is that you the whole, as far as I know, the rationale behind the home button being still a button is that you have something tangible to press to get you yeah. back to a known good state. Right. Right. Whether that's getting out of an app that's crashing or what have you. But if you move that capability enti- entirely to software, what do you do? Right. Well, I hope I hope it's not some weird combination of volume keys because that gets me right back to all the things I hate about Android. <laughs> Seriously, if you've ever had to boot to recovery on an Android phone, you you have to mishmash down like four different buttons: well, volume never... down, and power, and a home button, and God knows what else. But it's ridiculous. I have never had to do that. Uh, you've never rooted an Android phone. I have never rooted an Android phone. That is true. You've never put a ROM on an Android phone. I have not. I've used Android phones with like Cyanogen, but I've never done it myself. Yeah, I uh, two years ago, my dad came to me with a Samsung GS2 that he'd gotten off of work, and he said the guy before me thought that he'd put a ROM on it, but I couldn't tell. And I looked at it, and it's the standard Samsung load. He says, "Well, I want to do something different with. It. I want to have Cyanogen on here. It's Thanksgiving dinner. We have the whole Thanksgiving spread out. The whole family's there. Everything, large table, and I'm I'm holding the phone underneath the table." holding down the four buttons to get it into recovery 
and and load cyanogen from the SD card I'd put in it. See, I'm lucky. at the Thanksgiving table. If my dad even knows what an Android phone is, yeah. that would be a shock to me. My my dad my knows mom, enough to make bad decisions about this stuff. So my dad uses an iPhone. Um, for a lot of there's a lot of reasons why he uses an iPhone now. Yeah. Uh, but he switched about I don't know four years ago from a regular like flip phone. And my mom kept her old Nokia candy bar literally until AT and T shut the network down. <laughs> We're no longer going to support the S40. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then she went from that to whatever the next, whatever the newest version of a candy bar the, was. The next candy bar. Yeah. And then she just got an iPhone like three months ago, and she was she had an iPad for a little while. Yeah. Um, like an iPad Mini, and then she got an iPhone, and she was so excited, messaged me, "I got an iPhone! I got an iPhone!" Like I can't imagine my parents coming to me and saying, "Can you root my Android phone for me, please?" My my dad is, loves the he's frugal, so he loves the the affordability of some of the Android phones, and he he gets upset every time Google has a major security flaw, and they just simply say, "Screw it, we're not fixing it for that version. Get a new phone," <laughs> and yeah. you know. He, he he rags on Apple, he rags on the iPhone all the time. He's like, there's this bug in an iPhone, there's this bug in an iPhone. I'm like, yes, but they still support going back to an iPhone 4S. Yeah, but it's terrible on the 4S. And I said, never mind, you can run a current thing on the 4S. And they fixed security fixes for the 4S. Whether it's slow or not, that's a different problem, but they're still supporting stuff. And meanwhile, your Motorola E second gen that Lenovo promised, promised was going to get... Uh, was going to get the the Android Marshmallow or M, and they reneged. They're not giving that, and and Google's not going to issue fixes, and you're boned. Yeah. So right. in the in the piling on Android sense, um, <laughs> my my best friend is a is a tinkerer, right? Yes. Um, like he he I, builds, I can't identify with that at all. He builds his own computer still and stuff like that. Um, he he runs a uh, his home network is. His desktop, which is a, a built for gaming, his laptop, which he uses for work, he's a lawyer, uh, his home media server that runs Plex, and then maybe one or two other little devices that are you know just normal stuff. Oh, he has a Roku, right? And he uses a Ubiquity edge router to run his network. <laughs> nice. So this is the kind of guy we're talking about, right? Um, he maintains hey, a little... I, I he just, maintains a little it's important uh, to know, right? There's no kill like overkill. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm actually the one who told him to get the, the Ubiquity router. Because he asked me, like, what's the, knowing him as I do, right? He asked me, what's the best what's router, the right like, wired router me? on the market? Yeah, yeah. I was like, go get a Ubiquity router. You'll love it. So the other day, uh, it was. You didn't tell him to get thing. something with OpenWRT on it or, or GDWRT? No no, no, no. No, no. I thought Ubiquity was more his speed. Yeah. So <laughs> the other day, it broke. Right, it stopped responding. Whoa! And the memory—it was because the ROM got corrupted. And I guess in his particular model of edge router, it's held in uh, like a USB stick or something. And he messaged me and was like, "Oh god, so the the ROM, the memory got corrupted, and it was a bunch of crap." Anyway, I opened it up and I found a tutorial on how to replace the the memory, and I did that, reflashed it, and now it works again. And it's the greatest thing you've ever told me to buy. That's the kind of guy we're talking about. Love it. Love it. So he he uses Android exclusively. And he always roots his phone. And he does his own little custom forks. 
but he is simultaneously the biggest proponent of personal privacy that I could possibly imagine. Well, right. We talked about this last week when we talked about the uh, the the Motorola G or Motorola E, where you rip out the camera and you rip out all of these things and you do a custom software yeah. load so that you're only running the Silent Circle stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So you what I'm you saying can so what do I'm it, saying, but but what I'm saying to him though is how can you simultaneously because because he doesn't do he still uses Google Play services. So he still uses Gmail and Hangouts and all that, right? So he doesn't... Well, they're hard to get out of, right? They're sticky. Yeah. So what I'm saying to him is, how can you simultaneously be a proponent of personal privacy and use an unencrypted Android phone, right? Right. You you are the product in this case, you know? Well, well, even even if you use an encrypted Android phone, you're still talking to Google services, which still makes you the product. Right. Yeah, if you're, if you're, you know, you, you can encrypt the file system on the Android phone. Right. But if you're using Gmail, we know who owns you, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, getting out of Gmail. There's is hard. that half of it. Yeah. There's that half of it, and there's also the other half. I can't encrypt my phone half. You know. So, like, what was the stat the other day? Ninety-five percent of all iPhones have FTE, and two percent of Android phones do. Yeah, and Amazon, you, you heard this a couple weeks ago, right? Amazon took encryption out of their Amazon Fire tablets and, and stuff. They added it back later. O- only because people made noise about it. Yeah, exactly. They picked the absolute worst time to make that decision. Yep. No kidding, right? In the Bezo, middle of... Uh, that should take the product owner out back and shoot them. Y- yes. <laughs> in, in the middle of, of the, uh, the court case, which shall not be named, Amazon decides to remove encryption from their operating system. Really smart. So in, in talking about the court case, which shall not be named, um, Jonathan Zidarski has been nailing it, right? He's been doing really good, hasn't he? Yes. Yes, he has. What's your favorite of his summaries? My favorite of his summaries. So recently... Well, first of all, let's talk about who he is for a second. Yes. So he is a security researcher with an active Twitter account. And apparently as a part of his, his summaries of the recent FBI and Apple, uh, ongoing court, court filings, uh, numerous contacts and, and friends of his within three letter agencies in the government have been told that officially they can no longer be friends. So to be more, to be more specific, he is a forensic security researcher. Right. And what's forensic mean in this case? Uh, it means, after a crime is, I mean, it means exactly what it means in any other case. Okay. After a crime has been committed, you know, instead yeah. of collecting hair and fiber samples from the crime scene, you analyze technology devices, logs and data flows and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so he's been summarizing this on Twitter. What's, what's your favorite one of his? Hmm. Well, there are many. Uh, as you all, if you're listening to this, you are probably aware that this week Apple filed their first uh, response, or not their first, their final response to the Yeah, the, I think case. this is the final one, and now it actually goes in front of the judge and there's a hearing. Is that right? Uh, I believe that's the case, yes, but I'm not a lawyer, so don't take me at my word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so he reads, the, he reads the brief that Apple filed. And he did a, he had a fun series of tweets just in general, but he got to one and he said, here, Apple is saying, if it pleases the court, tell the FBI to go f- themselves, I which apologize for to me our listeners. is, 
the all right listen i'm going to continue my other thing in a second but no do not apologize your listeners all right we make no apologies is the shane position no there's no no there's there are no apologies somebody else complained that i cursed too much one time and you know what this is the world my friends it happens don't shield your children yeah we we if you're listening to this with kids you don't have kids this is what you say to them you say, I don't have kids, uh, but this is what you do. You say, I have a dog. You say, <laughs> son and, that's or daughter. Yeah. Daughter. If you refer to your daughter as daughter, say daughter. Child of mine. This is what happens. This is the world. You, this is a bad word, and sometimes people use it. You shouldn't use it yet because you're not old enough to know how to use it properly. But once you become an adult, this is the kind of thing that's going to happen. It's, it's ridiculous. As, as a to, parent, you get uh, to decide when to expose your kid to that thing, though. I, under, I understand that. Right. All right. I, get, I get that thing. But anyway. Okay. So, <sighs> very annoying. Apple, in, in very polite legalese. Yes. And it wasn't actually that legalese. It was very clearly and plainly written. Yes. Because it's written by First Amendment lawyers. It's not written by like a corporate counsel. They, they have clearly told the government to go jump in a lake. Yes. Basically, what they're saying is, look, there's no way that it is either legal or it, it follows neither the letter nor the spirit of the law to force us to dragoon our own employees into turning over evidence on our customers, both against our will as a company and against their will as people. Yeah. Hmm. That's essentially what they're saying. Yeah. And And in some of these, you know, he was laying out how the FBI uh, had, had totally failed to understand the law. And, and he said, you know, here's what it is. Here's what it, how it must be. Well, see, I don't think it, here's my little tinfoil hat time. Go on. It's not, it's not so much. I don't think an, a misunderstanding of the law yeah. as it is a specific attempt to, this is what it's a willful distortion cases, because this yeah. is trying to gain new power and that's how this they happens. Do it. And this is not just government, right? This happens in every lawsuit. The, the entire reason that certain lawyers are paid more than others is because they are better at massaging the facts to fit their narrative, right? Like well, if, yes. if, if every case was interpreted, was interpreted strictly by the letter of the law, then every lawyer would get paid 25 bucks and we'd have robot lawyers now. But that doesn't happen because this is a fungible... No, not that's not the right word. Not fungible. This is a shifting landscape, right? It, judges don't judges don't read the law, right? They interpret the law, and those are two very different things. So, I don't. Th- this is all to say I don't think it's a willful misunderstanding. I think it's a very purposefully crafted narrative to get what they want which is a legal precedent to be able to do this over and over again. Yeah. I, I don't think Apple can, can handle creating a backdoor because they can't even control these vulnerabilities around them. You know, if, if I, I think they, it's just too dangerous for all these things, but Zidiarski is, is killing it. Read his Twitter feed. Um, oh, here's, here's the good one. Uh, Apple simultaneously cited case law and took a pot shot at Comey's director Comey's lack of technical understanding so beautiful. And the quote if the, uh, from the conclusion of the filing is, The greatest dangers to liberty lurk in an insidious encroachment by men of zeal, well-meaning but without understanding, and cites Olmsted v. United States. 
and Apple implies that the All Writs Act is making the FBI lazy. By defining the scope of the All Writs Act as inversely proportional to the capabilities of the FBI, removes any incentive for it to innovate and develop more robust forensic capabilities. Personally, my favorite one is not where he's taking down, although I do like the one about go tell the FBI to screw themselves. Yes. It's not the ones where he's taking down the argument. It's... He said one, he tweeted one yesterday. By the way, if you're listening for some stupid reason, Jonathan, get in touch with us. We'd love to interview you. Oh, God, yes. uh, he, said, he said yesterday, the founding fathers also would have been appalled by the iPhone and burned Apple with the stake for witchcraft. Well, yes. So there's that. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Well, he commented that the, uh, the UFO uh, headquarters does kind of look like the lip of a volcano. Well, it looks like that. Which is referring, well, right, but he's referring to the uh, the the end of the fake ad that uh, John Oliver played on last mm. week tonight, mm. which, by the way, is also good if you haven't seen that. Yeah, John Oliver's killing it. If you missed The Daily Show, watch John Oliver. But especially, B's new show. especially watch the John Oliver about at encryption, because and that's fantastic. Okay. So enough recommendations to our listeners. This has been the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm Victor Marks, your host. Uh, you can find me here at Apple Insider or find me on TapeWrite. And uh, Shane, where wait, can people wait, find you? Wait, 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 wait. What? What is, what is TapeWrite? TapeWrite is a platform that was made by a friend of mine, Borja, who helped, uh, who helped us figure out how to do audio editing properly for all the people that had comments about our audio quality in the past. And TapeWrite is – it's – you record audio and then you put cards with it. So you've got pictures, video, uh, pictures, comments, and, um, and quotes and stuff on cards associated with the audio. And people can comment on those images and footnotes. So it's like annotating your, your audio and making it kind of cool, interactive. So it's an audio version of Rap Genius. Kind of, but with images. Because I don't know you can put images in Rap Genius. Uh, yeah, you can. Oh, well, then there you go. That's, that's what he's done. I'll tell him because he was having a hard time summarizing it, but that's a pretty good summary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If, he's, if he is doing a Y Combinator application, that's what you should tell him. It's Rap Genius. Well, no, don't say Rap Genius for audio because that's exactly what Rap that's Genius is. That's what they're is. for, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but for user-created audio. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's an interesting summary. Okay. Cool. Where can people find you, Shane? Uh, not at TapeWrite, I can tell you that much. Yeah, well. But at Apple Insider, as usual. Excellent. And we look forward to reading all of your cool articles on Apple Insider. Uh, thanks again to today's sponsor, Mara, a hands-free virtual running assistant that uses cutting-edge voice recognition to help coach you to better runs. Play music, get updates on your location, pace, and weather, and compare your current speed with past runs without ever stopping to look at your phone. Using your earbuds, Mara can hear your commands and put them into action. To download your new running partner for free, visit mara.ai today. Run with a sidekick. Make every mile count. And please, someone explain to us what hotspots are. 